Welcome to the White Coat Life Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Certified Coach Paula White, MD. If you're a physician in academic medicine looking for skills to understand and take control of your experiences, both in work and out, this is a great place to start. Hey everyone, welcome back. Thanks for joining me. I am so happy that it is finally getting to be truly spring here in the Midwest. I'm on backup call this weekend, but I was still able to get outside and enjoy a little bit of fresh air. Not really sunshine, but still fresh air. So a handful of things got me thinking about today's topic. For one thing, the point that we ended on last week, that if you ask for what you want, you might get it. But here are a couple of background stories that also got me thinking about this. So 18 years ago, I was at the ACOG Annual Clinical and Scientific Meeting in San Francisco, and I ran into some former attendings. I stayed on as an attending at the same place where I trained, and I've never left. Part of the reason there was a job available for me at the time was that for a variety of reasons, all five of the generalist faculty for one group had gone separate ways in the year that I was graduating. So even though I was an attending myself at the time of this ACOG meeting, all of my previous interactions with these two docs had been in the context of me being a resident and them being attendings. We had a really lovely time. One of them had a friend with a winery and arranged for us to have a tasting, and one night we all went out to dinner. It was a lot of fun, and especially fun to be interacting with them socially and no longer their trainee. The night that we went out to dinner, I ordered lobster bisque. This was one of the many times that I somehow forgot or didn't believe the fact that I don't like lobster before I finally got that into my head. A while into the meal, one of the docs noticed that I wasn't eating my soup. I had sampled it a little and it just wasn't appealing to me, probably because I don't like lobster. Anyway, she asked me if there was something wrong with it and I said, no, nothing wrong with it. I just didn't care for it. She wanted me to send it back. And I was thinking, what? I couldn't believe that someone would even suggest such a thing. Sending it back is something you do if your meat is over or undercooked, or if there's a hair in your soup, or some other preparation failure. You can't send something back just because you don't like the taste. All right, so put a pin in that one for now. I'll tell you what happened next a little later. Second story. I did a minor procedure on a patient recently. About a week and a half post-op, she sent a message through the portal with a concern about the amount of bleeding she was having. This is a patient I know well enough to know that she has good health literacy and she knew the amount of bleeding she was having was not normal. She knew her concern was legit. She also knew that the portal, which is for non-emergent uses only, is not for questions like this. It's very clearly stated that portal questions will be answered in two to three business days, and this patient was the kind of person who would have read those instructions and known that she needed a same-day answer, but she used the portal anyway, instead of calling. Now, put a pin in that one, too. We'll come back to that. The third story. This is a thing that happened recently, even after I had been plotting out this podcast in my mind. I was at lunch at a conference, making general small talk with strangers. At the table happened to be someone who had traveled from Portugal for this meeting and an American woman whose son got an international job that he wasn't qualified for in Portugal. 
She was telling us the story of how her son applied for a job that clearly stated in its prerequisites that speaking Portuguese was mandatory, and he did not speak Portuguese at all. Apparently, when he got to the interview stage, he was upfront with the interviewers and told them that he did not speak Portuguese but was willing to learn, and he got the job. The table was sort of generally laughing about this, and the person whose son it was commented something along the lines of she didn't know where on earth he got the confidence to apply for something he was objectively not qualified for. Without thinking, I said in a sort of joking manner, probably just by being a white male. I immediately regretted that. First of all, I don't know this person at all, let alone her son. It was a big assumption for me to think that her son must be white just because she is, and an even worse assumption to think that just because there are lots of people out there who do have a lot of confidence that comes from the unearned privilege of being white and male, that her son was one of them. I got lucky in that everyone at the table, including the woman whose son it was, found it amusing and likely true, and the conversation just sort of moved on. But anyway, in case you haven't already noticed, the common thread here is the variance in people's willingness to ask for what they want or need, me included. So let's sort of break this down. We'll go in reverse order of the stories I just told, starting with the young man who didn't speak Portuguese. All of the people at the table who happened to be women voiced that they found it a little incredulous that someone would apply for a job when they didn't have one of the requisite skills. Why? Well, I can't speak for anyone but myself, so I'll just tell you what kind of thoughts I have about that. For one, it's dishonest. If a form asks, do you speak this language, and you say yes when the answer is no, that's pretty clearly dishonest. So I'm good with that thought. Honesty is a core personal value for me, so I'm good with thinking it's a problem to be dishonest, regardless of whether or not there are consequences. Another thought related is that there could be consequences. The most obvious one is that you just don't get the job, which no big deal because you weren't really qualified for it anyway. But also, doing something like this has the possibility of tarnishing your reputation in your industry. Word gets out that you lie on your application and wasted their time interviewing you when they could have been seeing candidates who were qualified. Well, that could be very bad for you. And I'm pretty good with this thought, too. I think you should be responsible for your actions, and I like being the kind of person who is risk-averse in that aspect. But another thought was along the lines of, how did he dare to do that? Not like I'm outraged, but like, how on earth does someone have the daring to do that? The topic of unearned privilege has been rolling around in my head for a while, and we know that confidence that comes from privilege earned or unearned, can propel people to do things that others might not. Someone like this young man looks at the opportunity and thinks, hey, if I try, I might get this, which makes them feel empowered, which makes them apply and present themselves in the best possible light, which results in them showing up as the best possible candidate they could be. Whereas someone who's focusing on that one skill they don't have isn't going to fare so well. 
For a moment, let's pretend that speaking Portuguese wasn't listed as a requirement, but a preferred skill. I'm changing it so we don't have to factor in the dishonesty and the consequences part. Someone who's thinking they're probably not going to pick me because I don't speak Portuguese is going to feel unqualified. And that's going to make them focus on all the reasons they're not going to get the job and make them sort of forget about the qualifications that they do have and be very hesitant and maybe self-denigrating in how they present themselves in the interview. And of course, the result will be that they show up as someone who appears unqualified. So that part, yeah, I'm not so good with choosing to think that way. It's pretty interesting, isn't it? Now let's go back to the second story, my patient who sent a portal message that should have been a phone call. Again, this is someone with good health literacy, so I'm confident she knew it needed a same-day answer. I'm reasonably sure, not 100%, but reasonably sure, that she knew portal messages are not always answered the same day. Now, I'm going to point out that this is a patient I've got a good relationship with. I've always gotten the vibe that she feels comfortable with me, and there's never been any tension. So, why the portal message instead of a phone call? It could be that silly thing that lots of us have developed now that just about everything can be done online, so anything that requires a phone call seems hard. My teenage kids will do just about anything to avoid something that requires making a phone call, and they have to mentally prepare themselves anytime they actually have to do it. They just aren't used to it. I'm Gen X, so phone calls were the only way when I was growing up, but even people my age, me included, have gotten kind of lazy about things like this, and lots of us will go the online route, even if it ends up being more work in the long run. But it could also be that she, and I'm putting this in air quotes, didn't want to be a bother. If we assume that was at least a factor, what makes someone feel that way? It might be they think they don't deserve someone's time or effort, to put it baldly. It might be they're worried they'll be seen as high maintenance and then get poorer care or be treated poorly. It might be that their life experiences to date have informed their beliefs that our healthcare system is not a welcoming entity to them. Someone might think there's a need for an overt demonstration of respect in order to be treated well. Now, I think a lot of us probably can think of situations where we've done something similar. We've been a little more passive or reticent than a situation called for because of this not wanting to be a bother thing. Whichever of those meanings we just discussed applied for you or similar variations. And while it may stem from actual respect for the person on the other end of the phone call and not wanting to be acting in an inappropriately entitled way, it might prevent us from speaking up when we are actually entitled. And by the way, everything was fine with my patient. When she came in, we had a nice discussion about how important it is for her to advocate for her health, and I gave a lot of reassurance that her concern was valid and deserving of a phone call. And now to the first story, my lobster bisque that I didn't like. Here's how the story ended. Despite my protests, my former attending flagged down the server and told them I didn't like my soup and they needed to take it back. And they did take it back and brought me something else instead. 
but I wasn't thankful or appreciative. I was mortified. It was a little bit because I felt like I was being treated like a child. I said I didn't want to send it back, and she took it upon herself to do that on my behalf without my permission, as though I wasn't capable of making my own decisions. But mostly, it was because I felt like she was violating implicit rules or social norms, and therefore I was too, by proxy. So the first part, the not wanting to be treated like a child, yeah, I'm good with that. But the part about possibly violating social norms or implicit rules, that deserves some scrutiny. This is where being a very rigid follower of rules, for the most part, can sometimes bite me in the ass. Here are the facts. I didn't care for what I ordered. My colleague told the server to take it back and bring me something else. The server brought me something else. Nothing in those facts says that I'm a monstrous person who thinks they can just walk all over everyone and that rules don't apply to me. But that's how I felt at the time. If we look at this from the point of view of the person who did feel it was appropriate, my former attending, for a moment, let's assume this came from a place of logic and reason. Let's assume there was no unearned entitlement at play. What might she have been thinking? Maybe something like, we're paying a lot for this meal. She should have something she enjoys. Or maybe restaurants want their customers to enjoy their meals. While that might not be true for every restaurant, it is very likely the case for most fine dining establishments like that one. And maybe something as simple and straightforward as she didn't like her meal. If we ask, they might bring something else. When I think about those possible thoughts, I don't see anything outrageous or anything violating social norms. I see some pretty logical thoughts. Go figure. Who would have known? So this week, if there's something that you want or need, but asking for it seems somehow wrong or out of reach, this is your invitation to really explore what's holding you back and see whether it's something that supports your goals and your sense of self, or if perhaps it might be a little misguided and that thing might be within reach after all. And if you want help sorting through it all, come visit me at whitecoatlifecoach.com and schedule a free consult. Thanks again for joining me, and I will see you back next time. Opinions or views on this podcast or on my website are my own and should not be attributed to my employer.